0: Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting,
1: fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. What a beautiful
0: day. You know, we got some rain yesterday. We really needed that, though, across the state. Hopefully it got down to some of those fire dry areas, too, but... uh Looks good for the grass and the trees. I mean, I'm looking out my uh, studio window and it is just going to be beautiful. And the uh, long-term forecast is beautiful for uh, the next couple weeks at least. So it's going to be great times to get outdoors. Of course, tomorrow is Father's Day. Uh, maybe your dad does some outdoor activity. What a great day to go fishing with your dad or uh, just have a backyard barbecue. Just remember to at least give him a call and and thank them for at least how you turned out, or blame them, whatever the case may be. My kids might call and blame me for how they turned out, but no, I love them all. So it's great. Over the course of the next few weeks, too, we're going to talk a little bit about safety off and on during almost every show. We've got a lot of people getting outdoors that haven't been steadily going outdoors for a while, or they're taking up new activities And there's been a number of drownings. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. But there's also things like skin cancer and lightning. We did a survival show a few weeks ago. You can go to um, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook and scroll back, and you'll see an article I wrote for the Denver Post on how to keep when you get lost or hurt in a day hike or a camp uh, backpacking hike, how to keep it from turning into a tragedy and how to survive. So you might want to go back and look at that. We're also going to talk a lot of fishing, and we're going to start talking hunting more and more as we get ready for the season. So we got a lot to cover. Let's go to the phones right now. And uh, joining us, he's a frequent contributor to the show. He guides here in Colorado. Um, He used to work at the Camp Fish for Inn Fishermen many years ago. He's getting a little long in the tooth now. He's not as old as mine, but he's been around a while. Has a degree in fisheries biology, but he's also a great contributor to this show and an accomplished angler, Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. You like that? You know, you're starting to get a little older.
1: Uh, I know. uh, We were discussing that uh, the other just yesterday that we did yeah, a that, TV show back back on one of your first seasons, and um, I don't know, you haven't seemed to age much, but I sure have.
0: <laughs> well, I have a picture of Dorian Gray in my office, but <laughs> trust yeah. me, I've aged, I've aged plenty, but you know, you're talking right about, and that's why I brought it up, because you actually drove the camera boat for the pilot to my television show in the 90s, and of course, you've been a contributor both on my television and radio show for many many years but we did a show on bottom bouncing and that's a technique we're going to talk about today and you got some calls because that show is on my youtube channel the best of fishing with terry wickstrom and i'll tell you what when we get to talking about techniques uh everything we did in that show is still spot on uh, to me how i would run a bottom bouncer but let's talk a little bit first about what are you seeing out there where's the action
1: you know, right now, I think, is going to be some of the best fishing. Like you say, our, our weather for the next two weeks is going to be fantastic. The fish have finally pretty much all set up in their summer patterns. The lakes are, are at about the fullest capacity they're going to be. So the bite is going to be phenomenal wherever you want to go. And, and the other thing is runoff is starting to taper off. So if you want to go hit the streams, there's an opportunity to go Fish for trout up in the streams i'm out here at st brain right now and the panfish bite is doing really well at st brain um in well, the know, reservoirs you've got you know trout uh walleyes your large and smallmouth bass and then your white bass and wipers are really starting to school up so whatever you really want to fish for it's going to be a great time between now and the fourth of july to get out
0: oh it really is and and i want to preface that a little bit by saying when we say it's a great time to get out, we mean the chances of success are better than normal. That doesn't mean you're guaranteed to catch fish. I don't care who you are. You're going to have days during the best and worst fishing when you don't catch fish and sometimes during the worst fishing when you do. It just happens that way. The fish don't always listen to the show and know how they're supposed to act. But your your chances of success, we're in what we call the summer peak where a lot of the bait fish haven't hatched yet but the water's warm enough where the metabolism of the fish is going strong and they feed uh, quite actively and sometimes all day long. And it's, it typically uh, you can get big fish. Typically it's a numbers bite, but the action can just be fun, Brad. where are you hearing in particular about some bodies of water?
1: Well, you know, like I say, the, the ponds are doing really good for panfish and largemouth. The largemouth have got off their beds here just recently, and and same with the bluegills, but uh, along the north front range, Union is fishing really well for walleyes. Uh, Try running bottom bouncers and spinners out there in that 12 to 18 foot range, kind of at that weed edge. That same bite is taking place at Boyd, and with that, you're catching walleyes, uh, white bass, and, and your large and smallmouth bass all mixed together. Now, Boyd also has a really good largemouth bass bite, the, the lake just came up about eight feet in the last two weeks, and there's a lot of flooded brush. So if you're looking for those largemouth, spend some time in that newly flooded cover, and you're going to be able to get some fish. You might have to go a little bit heavier presentation, but you're going to have some good luck. And then if you want to go out in the northeast, uh, Jackson is fishing really good for wipers and walleyes trolling crankbaits. Uh, kind of along that dam area or that west side. And uh, North Sterling is still just fishing phenomenal for walleyes and crappies out there. Um, The lake's a little lower than normal, so it may take a little bit of time kind of looking for them, but there's a lot of fish getting caught out that way.
0: You know, you're, you're absolutely right as far as this is a great time and there's bites everywhere. It's more about where you want to fish. But you still have to, <clears throat> you still have to pay attention to how you want to fish. And we mentioned that bottom bouncer. And I'm gonna use Glendale Reservoir as an example here, because I've done several shows up there. They're on my YouTube channel, by the way. Um, and Gary Darling and I used to go up and fish it quite a bit together. And we would and I fished a number of tournaments up there back when I was still fishing tournaments. And early in the year, a typical year, the water at at Glendale Reservoir, would be back in the brush and back in the trees. Now, it doesn't always get there, but it used to be pretty typical. So you'd go up early, and those big fish would be back up in the trees, chasing bait, there was cover, the water was rising. But then as you got to maybe the first part of June or so, or a little later, that water would recede out of the trees. And those fish would move out uh, to the first break, which was usually anywhere from about 8, 10 feet down to about 15, 20 feet, the very depths you're talking about in the lakes like Union and and Boyd. And you could jig for those fish, or you could do with a bottom bouncer. Now, a little later in June, uh, that bottom bouncer and that jig bite would almost die, and people used to think you couldn't catch them, but Gary and I would go out there, and those fish had moved out. The shad had hatched, and they were over 60, 70 feet of water, 5 to 10 feet deep, following the shad suspended. But during that period of time when you could get them with a bottom bouncer, the bottom bouncer is still, Brad, probably one of the most effective walleye presentations, even though you hear more about jigging wraps and jigs and and new ways and people troll crankbaits a lot. But boy, people would catch a lot of walleyes if they would learn to fish bottom bouncers.
1: Yeah, from a boat, a bottom bouncer is one... extremely effective and the other thing about the presentation is it doesn't take long to really understand it there's not a lot of nuances to it it's more just making sure you've got the right amount of weight so that your line is somewhere between kind of that 45 and 60 degree angle back for the speed you're going and then you know just adjusting the spinner type and spinner length and It really catches a lot of fish. And so if people, you know, they've been selling a ton of boats this year. There's a lot of new anglers getting out on boats. If you're wanting to go out and catch some walleye or catch any fish, a bottom bouncer is a very effective method to present your bait in an area that there's a lot of fish. And it's not uncommon in a single day to catch bluegill and perch and trout and white bass, and walleye, and largemouth, and smallmouth, all on bottom bouncers up at Boyd. So it's, it's oh, you're not absolutely. a presentation. Yeah, it's not a species-specific presentation. It works for everything. Oh,
0: you're typically you're pulling a nightcrawler, some kind of live bait. You can use artificials too, but you're going to get it in front of a lot of fish, and they're all probably feeding on similar stuff, and you're going to catch a lot of fish. I think one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people make, and if, if they go back and watch that video, it's on our, my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, and it is they either drag the bottom bouncer on the bottom. Now, a lot of people think kicking up sediment and stuff helps attract fish, and it might, but you end up snagged all the time. Or they have it way up in the water column. And it's a presentation that's really made to target the fish relating to the bottom. And I think that's the biggest mistake. What do you think?
1: I think that's a, I think those are two of the biggest mistakes. And usually when they let it out too long or, or they're not to the bottom. And like you say, they let out a lot of line. Their problem is they're running too light of a bottom bouncer. If I were to go with one size, if someone wants to just go try it, I would get an ounce and a half. It may be a little bit heavy for those 8 to 15 or 12-foot ranges, but it will still work. And an ounce and a half is going to work out to about that 20-foot range where most of these fish are. And, And so keep that off the bottom. You want to be able to drop your rod tip and touch the bottom, but you don't want to be on it. Now, if you're in an area that's got some weeds or flooded brush of any kind, you also can raise that up just a little bit more, maybe one or two cranks off the bottom and keep it out of those weeds and you're still, in a sense, instead of bouncing bottom, you're bouncing the weeds. You're about to drop your rod tip to that weed or brush depth away and you're still keeping that lure real close to where those fish are going to be. And I think one thing that, people don't realize with the bottom bouncers are the longer the length of line you have behind that bottom bouncer, the lower that bait is going to ride because the, the drag of the spinner and everything else is going to make it go lower. So if you're wanting to, if you're in a snaggy area or something, don't go with a long leader, but make that leader a little bit shorter and you're going to avoid the snags and probably catch more fish.
0: Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, people think that the line rides up behind, and I worked within fishermen. We had divers down, and that line absolutely never got any higher than the top of the bottom bouncer, and the longer the leader, the lower in the water column your bait ran. It's just a great, great tip. You know, something that came along after we Well, it, it probably were some people out there doing it. They just weren't telling us. But something that's gained popularity since we did that show would be the slow death rig. Tell people kind of about that and how you fish that behind a bottom bouncer.
1: But wait, wait, you're saying that tournament anglers keep things secret? Well I didn't. <laughs> well that that's where that's where the slow death, the crooked hook type design came about. Uh everyone's got their now kind of has their own version of it. But what it is is it's a it's a relatively light wire hook that has some sort of a bend along the shank of the hook that allows that bait to spin. And and so it's not just sitting there going straight, just in a straight line. It actually has a little bit of a rotation to it. And the key to those hooks are you need to make sure that you put enough of the worm on there to get it down around the bend of the hook and then not leave too much worm usually they work best on a half a worm because that added drag of a whole worm kind of slows that spin down and the nice thing about that presentation is you can work it fast but it also you know the slow death hook works at about 0.4 0.5 miles an hour the spin drift hook from vmc works at like 0.3 it still gets that spin so if you get in an area where maybe the fish are negative or, or neutral fish that aren't wanting to chase as much, you can slow that presentation down, and that rotation is so tempting. It, it looks like a wounded minnow in the water, and it really causes those fish to bite that maybe if you were using a normal spinner going at, say, 0.9, you'd get a few bites, but you're going past them so fast before they really are tempted to bite. So using one of those... Uh, Slow death, spin drift, any one of the crooked hooks that are out there um, is a good option to get out there and and catch a lot of fish. And that fight goes from, it starts fairly early. It starts all the way, you know, in May. And you'll be able to catch fish up until probably October using that presentation.
0: Yeah. I just want to make sure that people don't get away from using the standard spinners, the 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 leaders with the spinners and the beads and maybe one or two hooks with a night crawler that slow death is a phenomenal rig but you can cover more water and attract fish from more distance with the regular spinners so if there's a hot bite going on the slow death probably comes second even though it'll catch fish you won't cover as much water brad we are running out of time if people want to get a hold of you they want to book a guide guide trip how do they do that
1: they can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors, or they can give me a call at three zero three eight two nine three nine nine eight, and uh, we'll be happy. You know, I'd be happy to answer questions or get them out on a trip, help steer them in the right direction.
0: All right, my friend, we will talk soon. We have to get out on the water together soon.
1: Yes, we do, Terry.
0: All right, we'll talk to you again, Brad Peterson. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on one zero four three, The Fan. wickstrom outdoors is brought to you in part by jack's outdoor gear for over 65 years growing up and still having fun and what a great place if you're looking for that last day father's day gift one of jack's locations up and down the front range is really going to serve you well let's go right to the phones now and joining us from colorado parks and wildlife is andrew Ludwig. good morning andrew morning terry how are you Hey, I'm doing well. And you're with uh, color? Are you representing the Colorado Wildlife Council? Uh, people hear about the Wildlife Council. I think they confuse who they are. You know, we have a Wildlife Commission. We have all these. Tell people what and who and the what is the Wildlife Council?
2: Absolutely, and Terry. You know, I get so excited to talk about the Colorado Wildlife Council because they really are quite a unique group—one that you don't see a lot of other states in the nation having a group that uh, looks to do what the Wildlife Council does. And so the Colorado Wildlife Council was conceived and developed by a coalition of hunters, anglers, and conservationists across the state, really looking to preserve the hunting and fishing rights here in Colorado. The council's goal is to educate the general public about the benefits of wildlife and wildlife management, specific to hunting and fishing, to really tell people and educate people about the benefits that hunting and fishing provide to the state
0: now people probably have seen your work even though they don't a lot of them don't know who you are i mean we can go back to the original commercials you guys have you've tried to go out to the non-hunting and fishing public to tell them about these benefits and i think that hug a hunter hug an angler probably is one of the some of the most memorable commercials you've done but you're doing other things now kind of tell us what you're advertising what your message is how you're getting your message out
2: Absolutely, and, and you're totally correct there. The Hug a Hunter, Hug an Angler campaign was incredibly successful for us, nationally recognized, and we ran that for uh, several years there, which the body of that campaign really kind of getting at just what it says there, that there is a level of gratitude to be had towards these hunters and anglers buying license fees and those fees really paying back into so many different areas of Colorado. Currently, the council is running a new campaign now. It's called This is the Wild Life, and that campaign really speaks to the values shared by sportspersons, outdoor enthusiasts, and other Coloradans. The goal of the This is the Wildlife campaign is to broaden our reach and connect with the young adults who have little to no experience with hunting and fishing and engage them about hunting and fishing and why it's critical to wildlife management in Colorado. It's worth noting, no. too, I think the. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Terry.
0: No, go ahead. That's fine.
2: Well, I wanted to add, too, I think the campaign ties together the wildlife that we have in Colorado being the wildlife that we enjoy so much. And Colorado truly has been founded on the spirit of freedom. And there's so many outdoor recreationists here. And that tying in that second part of the campaign being the wildlife that we all love and share here in Colorado, too.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. There's a there's a there's a value system and a cultural impact that outdoors, doing any activity outdoors, um, really brings. And there's a bonding when you share an outdoor experience that is very difficult to duplicate. Now, you also were going to start a pilot program. It's probably on hold now, but hopefully it'll get going soon. And that's you were going to start going to events and talking about um, the Wildlife Council and the wildlife in Colorado. What's the status of that? Is, still at, is that still on hold because of COVID? You know, COVID
2: has been very challenging with that portion. Um, You know, for those that are unfamiliar, the council's 80% of what they do is a digital media campaign. And so that's always been our strong point. That's running really well still now through COVID. And this year we did add a new subset, being an an outreach team, really looking to go engage with people in person and and talk to people about hunting and fishing in person, trying to make that personal connection. And, And COVID, of course, has made that very very difficult for us to do now, but we haven't called in the dogs on that by any means. We're still seeking creative and alternative opportunities to to reach out to people that may not be as involved in hunting and angling. And something that we're really now looking to others to help us with is now that we're limited in the engagement opportunities that we have, to really fall back on our, our hunters and our anglers to help us spread this message and to talk to maybe their non-hunter and angler friends and, and help you know educate them on the indirect benefits that they might receive from fees that come from hunting and fishing licenses.
0: Well, now the non-angler and the non-hunter that's out there might right now be saying to himself, well, why do I care? about hunting and fishing. Those aren't activities. I'm probably never going to do them. They might. They just don't understand it yet. But they're sitting there going, what's really the benefit to me? Well, I'll give a – so we don't run out of time. I'll kind of – the North American model of supporting conservation and habitat management and game management has always fallen back on license fees and affinity groups. Usually the groups are hunters, ducks unlimited, the – Um, turkey federation those type of groups but the license fees and the fishing fees and hunting license fees are what fund colorado's wildlife uh, management very little money comes from uh, sources like the general fund of the colorado state so but everybody gets an advantage out of that don't they absolutely
2: and you're absolutely right there 68 percent of the funds that go towards wildlife management and conservation programs do come from hunting and fishing licensees. And of course the hunters and fishermen, they're getting those direct benefits from the use value of going out and hunting and fishing. But as Coloradans, we are all getting indirect benefits, whether that's an existence value of just having an elk herd up in the Rockies or actually going out and looking, wildlife viewing, birding, all of these activities to influencing property values. Are such a, a blessing to have from those fees?
0: Well, you're absolutely right. The habitat is maintained through those fees, because uh, that's people think hunting seasons are the main management tool in fishing seasons and limits but really habitat management has a bigger impact and everybody and every animal takes advantage of those habitats if you're a hiker a mountain biker if you're like you said a bird watcher you love to watch wildlife or you just love walking the trails you're going to take advantage of that now i know you're trying to get the message out so people understand is there a way we've only got a few a few seconds left but is there a way a non-hunter and angler can participate or help
2: Absolutely, you know, we're we're asking to tell your friends about us. Most importantly, tell those non-hunters, those non-anglers about where those license fees go and how they benefit them. For those non-hunters and non-anglers out there, we ask that you please, you know, look at our website is co.wildlifecouncil.org. It's a great resource to look at all the different ways that fees from license from the licenses of hunting and fishing uh, go, where they go and how they benefit wildlife conservation, um, that's a great start is our website.
0: All right. Andrew, we are out of time, but we could talk so much more about this because I think the benefits of what hunting and fishing brings to our state and our country, even to the non-participants, is so great. Sometimes they don't realize the impact. But thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much, Terry. I appreciate
0: the time. You bet. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Growing up and still having fun. There's gonna be a heartache tonight, a heartache tonight, I know. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. You know, if you're looking for that Father's Midday gift, that last-minute gift for Dad, the, you name it, they have it at Jack's. So uh we're just glad to have them on board as a partner. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, an old friend who's back, Randy Hampton. Good morning, Randy. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you? Happy Saturday. I'm 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 doing well and happy Saturday to you. And uh I think you're over on the West Slope. What's the weather like?
3: You know, it's it's sunny, blue skies, and uh probably gonna be about ninety degrees in Grand Junction today.
0: Yeah, but it's just going to be one of those beautiful weekends we live in Colorado for. Now, there's a couple things I want to talk to you about, but before we get to those, um, let's talk first about an event that's coming up. You know, a few years ago, Colorado Parks and Wildlife said, you know, they, they have to do remediation over on the West Slope for certain species that have been let's just say persona non grata at least they don't want them getting into the river systems so they used to use different means of trying to get those fish out of those systems but now they've uh, turned to the anglers and found a fun way to say hey help us keep these populations under control and meet our federal requirements and have some fun and make some money in there they're doing it now with fishing tournaments what a great thing and the, the one at elkhead is coming up tell us about it.
3: So it's the, it's the fifth year, fifth annual elkhead fishing classic this year. Um, it's just an opportunity for anglers to, to come out have some fun and win some prizes. Like you said, it's a great way to, to help manage some of these species that, that we have to manage under our obligations for the federal recovery program and making sure that predatory species like northern pike, smallmouth bass, don't get into the river system. And in years past, as you mentioned, Terry, you know we were out there doing a lot of lecker shocking, a lot of fishing, you know, to, on our own to try to try to manage that. And our out with nuts and all kinds of things. And, and a few years back, you know, a bunch of smart people in the agency said, "Hey, why don't we get the anglers to help out with this and find a way to to get people involved?" And so these tournaments came around as part of that. Um, so the, the fifth annual Elkhead Fishing
1: Classic is coming up.
3: It begins next weekend, June twenty seventh. It uh, runs through July 5th, so it'll run through that 4th of July weekend, June 27th through July 5th at Elkhead Reservoir State Park up by Craig. So if you're in northwest Colorado want to have some fun and, and maybe win some great cash prizes, um, that's certainly an opportunity to, to come out and do that. Um, and we can talk about those prizes and all that stuff, too, Jerry.
0: Yeah, let's do that. But first, let's take them through how they participate. Do you have to pre-register? Um, you can just just go out and fish. How? What do you do?
3: So it's it's pretty easy. You don't have to pre-register. There is a registration that's required, but that registration occurs when you actually turn in fish. Um, you register at the tent that's set up there at Alcad Reservoir. So you know, come out. You you, you don't. There's no entry fee uh, as far as entering the the tournament. You do still have to have, you know, access to the state parks, so a state parks pass, and then a fishing license. Have to be a licensed angler. So as long as you got your state parks pass, your fishing license, you you pull into Elkhead, you start fishing. It's when you catch fish. If you catch a northern if you catch a smallmouth bass, and there's no limit on those fish in those in that reservoir. So you you pull out as many as you want, and then at the end of the day, you go out and and, and stop by the tent. And register those those fish for for entries into the different prizes. We've got great prizes. The the person who catches the the most northern pike between June 27th and July 5th, uh, and and turns those in and gets registered, fifteen hundred dollars. So if you need an extra, you know, over a thousand bucks in your pocket, that's the way to do it. Most northern pike caught, same prize amount for the the most smallmouth bass caught. $1,500, and if you're that amazing angler and you, you manage to catch both, you are eligible to win both prizes. Um, we've also tagged about 20 northern pike in the reservoir and 20 smallmouth bass in the reservoir. They're internal tags. You don't see them until they're red at the at the tent. When you, when you come in and turn your fish in, we read all the, the fish for tags. But if you catch one of those 20-tag northern pike or 20-tag smallmouth bass, those fish are worth $150 each, um, and any of those prizes that aren't claimed, uh, you're eligible. If you catch a non-tagged fish, you get a ticket, and, and that means that goes into a drawing for any of the unclaimed prizes. Now, there's also, as I said, this is the fifth annual tournament, Terry. There's, there's fish from previous years, and if you happen to, to pull one of those fish that was tagged in 2019, 18, 17, 16, whatever, Those are still worth prizes this year. They're worth $50 a piece.
0: So almost anybody who catches a northern pike or a smallmouth has a chance for a prize. If you don't get a prize for the most, or I I don't know if there's any for biggest, but if you don't get for the most, uh, you're going to get those tickets and the drawings so somebody doesn't get one of the tagged fish that are worth $150, you get a chance that your name could be drawn for that, and you could still win $150. And what a great way to have fun. You're talking about starting next weekend and going um, through the day after the 4th of July. If you're going to be out in that area camping, hanging out, go fishing for a day or two, go fishing several days. What a great time to come and just have some fun. Now, that leads me to something else I want to talk to you about, Randy, and that's it. We've seen a huge increase in the number of people that are going outdoors in Colorado. One note I want to ask, do we have any idea what the increase in fishing license sales is?
3: You know, Terry, I'd I'd love to answer that question and give you an exact number. I don't have it yet. We're still, you know, we're going to pull those numbers on a weekly basis. So hopefully pretty soon we'll see that. We have seen an increase um, earlier in the year, probably about, I guess about a month ago, we were up about 30%. So we are seeing an increase in the the people that are out there that are, you know, taking part in, in getting outdoors.
0: Well, and with everybody getting outdoors, and I've been preaching this over the last few shows, at least I hope I haven't been preaching. I'm trying to educate people. I've done some shows now on outdoor survival, which people can find that information on my website, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. It's a column I wrote for the Denver Post on how to prepare so you don't turn a inconvenience into a tragedy if you get hurt or lost. I've been, I'm going to be covering in the upcoming weeks things like lightning and uh, UV exposure for skin cancer and, and, and a number of things. But one thing that's always prevalent when we have this many people outdoors is water safety. And unfortunately, we've had a number of drownings in the last week, Randy.
3: Yeah, you know it was kind of a it was kind of a shocker weekend last weekend, and uh, you know we we expect and anticipate that there's going to be more times when there's more people. Um, that's just the way it works. You know, more people outdoors, more opportunities for people to get in trouble. But last weekend statewide, we saw five fatalities, five fatal drownings. Um, you know, we had two down at uh, Lake Pueblo State Park. There was one at Chatfield. Uh, one at um, uh, Dillon Reservoir, and one at Antero Reservoir. So, you know, in all of these situations, all five situations, none of those people were wearing a personal flotation device. And, you know, we preach it over and over and over and try and remind people, one, if you're in a boat, you're required to have one personal flotation device for each individual. Um, But if you're out there on a paddleboard or something like that, You should have one with you, too. And so many people, like, they have them because they want to fulfill the requirement, but they don't wear them. Um, And I think we've got to get past this place where, I don't know, people think it's uncool to wear a a PFD because ultimately they will save your life.
0: Oh, I ended up – oh, I've been fortunate. I've flipped in the river a few times and things like that, but I've only – fallen this was out of my kayak where I kind of pushed the limits and ended up in the water and if I don't I'm not I can't tell you that if I didn't have my flotation device on whether I would have made it or not I was 10 feet underwater in a bunch of brush and uh, it's enough to make you realize it can happen so quick it can happen to anybody I've got a number of friends who've had an incident on a boat and uh, it just happens so quickly and they're such comfortable pfds now that for different situations you can get there's no reason not to have one on and a lot of these people out paddleboarding don't even know the navigation rules i mean i've got nothing against kayaking and paddleboarding i own two kayaks my wife loves to paddleboard um, but you would really need to understand how you interact with other boats and how quickly you can get in trouble with some of the wind on these reservoirs and it's so foolish not to have a pfd on because the water's still cold randy
3: Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, you're right. The wind really affects those people standing up on a paddleboard. You're right the sail on top of that board. And so the wind comes up. It's real easy all of a sudden to find yourself, you know, out of the little bay you were so comfortable in, you know, in four feet of water, and suddenly you're out in, you know, out in a channel and in 100 feet of water, and that's a problem in that water. Like you said, Terry, it's cold. If you go into the water this time of year, you're talking 50-degree water, you may think you're a good swimmer, But, you know, it's only a matter of minutes before cold water will fatigue you, and, you know, then you're done. And so it's just not worth it. If you have a personal flotation device on, that gives people time to get to you and gives you time to to figure out, all right, where's my board, you know, what's going on, and how can I even get myself out of this mess?
0: Yeah, we are out of time, Randy. I know we could talk a lot more. The message is, first, go enjoy the Tournament at Alcat. I'm sure there's information on the website. And second, folks, we want you outdoors. Just do it safely so we can all have a great Father's Day weekend. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Terry. You bet. Randy Hampton from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Terry Wixham Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor, helping people get outdoors for over 65 years. from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going to go right to the phones and joining us from Lake John uh, Resort is Nicole. Good morning, Nicole.
4: Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm
0: doing great. I hear things are bustling there. So you're having a busy day this great Father's Day weekend.
4: We are. We are. It's going good.
0: That's great. Well, you guys How long since you guys, you guys took the place over. I I lost track, but gosh, you guys have done a great job. How long have you guys been there?
4: Thank you. We're going on our fourth year.
0: I know. I just, I hear nothing but great stuff. And I was, uh, I was telling Karen, I said, Nicole's too honest. She told me the mosquitoes are hatching. (laughs)
4: <laughs> i am i am that i uh i i definitely will tell you when fishing's good when fishing's bad when fishing's slow and how the mosquitoes are doing <laughs> well, well you
0: know and and that's that's all of our jobs is to give good information so it's trustworthy and you have a great place up there now you and i talked during the week and in fact at lake john the action is a little slow but the fish have been just huge you're telling me tell me about it
4: yeah, the quality of fish we're seeing out of here right now is just phenomenal. Um, I've seen, take pictures of, had pictures sent in of more 20 to 26-inch fish than we have in the four years we've owned it. Um, so they're just, they're gorgeous. They're healthy. They're weighing in. I mean, we're seeing three to six pounds. We, have, we even had an eight-pounder come in the other day. Um, so they're just good quality fish. But the fishing is slower. You know, the general public that comes up here for the last three years, they're used to catching 30 or 40 fish in a day. Yes, they're smaller, 14 to 16 inches, and that's it's just changing. The lake is changing a little. These fish have grown up from the stocking. We didn't have any winter kill, and uh, they're good quality fish.
0: Well, that's going to happen. You know, Typically, when there's more big fish, you have not quite the same action, but it's rewarding. How about the other lakes? By the way, we're, ta- she, we're talking about Lake John up in the North Park area up by Walden. Um, tell What about the other lakes in the North Park area? What's going on there?
4: Yeah, so the Delaney Buttes are just uh, about ten minutes south of us. Those are the artificial flies and lures only lakes. Um, south is very active. It's pushing about twelve to fourteen inches right now. Uh, great place for the kiddos and stuff, but remember no bait. And then um, south is is also pretty active. We're seeing sixteen to eighteen fish, pretty eighteen inch fish, pretty regularly out of that lake. And then uh, north Delaney is behaving much more like Lake John. They're bigger. We're seeing 20 to 24s out of there. It's the browns, the rainbows, the cutthroats. But again, it's, it's much slower.
0: What about Big Creek? That's not very far from you.
4: Yeah, so Big Creek's north of us, and uh, that one, we're really surprised with the activity this year. Usually that's the lake we're reporting that's flow, but um, it's very active right now, and um, the size fish coming out of there are wonderful. We have a gentleman that camps here at our... campground and he's religious to that lake and he does really good on the lake trout up there and he caught um he caught a 34 inch laker out of there uh two weekends ago that he is just beyond proud of and i would be too it's a gorgeous fish so um we actually have some people that are headed up there today and um that were up there just a couple days ago and it's active it's fishing very well
0: now, you, you mentioned camping. You uh, There's campgrounds in the area. I believe they're all open now. But you actually have uh, RV campsites and cabins. Tell us about that.
4: Yeah, that's correct. So we have 30 RV sites. They're full hookups, water, sewer, and electric. And then we have uh, four cabins. They're kitchenette cabins. And uh, they have their own bathroom, all your bed and linens, towels, washcloths, all that supplied. We're uh, following, you know, disinfectant protocol and everything with our times that we're facing right now. And we also have our new suite available, and that has a full uh, kitchen in it, TV, more of a master bath style, and that is renting out as well.
0: But, you know, and it's such a great place to stay, and you get a lot of people that come up even during hunting season, don't you?
4: Yes, we do. Hunting is very popular in this area, and um we're we're seeing um good phone calls and good questions coming in right now. Colorado Parks and Wildlife did change some things with the second draw um this year but it's it's going well
0: well, you know I had a tip for people because Nate Zelinsky and I on this show will be talking over the next few weeks. In fact, we started about two weeks ago talking more and more about scouting. People think it's, you know, most people, at least by now, have kind of an idea where they're probably going to hunt. But too many people wait till right up to the season to start scouting. Well, When you go into an area you're going to hunt, you really only need to scout at least in the beginning, early and late in the day, because the animals are probably bedding down during the day. You could go up, stay at your place. Go do a little scouting up where you're going to hunt. Then come back and spend the rest of the day fishing. Get an early jump on scouting but have a reason to come up fishing and just make a great weekend out of it. Uh, I just recommend that so much because people, if they can combine other activities with their scouting, will get out and do more and they'll have more successful hunts. So that would be a great time, great great way to come up. What else do you have at your store as long as we got you on the line?
4: Yeah, so our general store is open. We have, uh, you know, our, our line of groceries, and um, we have a full line of bait and tackle. Um, we're hearing from the front range that we are uh, quite stocked compared to, to most. So um, that's, that's good to hear, but we are, we are obviously starting to see some of the shortages from suppliers and stuff. But we do have full line of bait and tackle. Um, we have ice, firewood, you know, camping necessities, everything like that in here.
0: How do they get a hold of you, Nicole, if they want more information?
4: They can uh, give us a call at 970-723-3226. Our phones are a little busy. If you reach our answering machine, please just leave us a message. I promise we will call you back. Um, They can also visit our website for more detailed information on lodging. We're doing boat rentals up here now as well. Um, That is lakejohnresort.com. And they can also find us on Facebook at Lake John Resort.
0: All right. Nicole is always great to have you on. I hear nothing but good things and I tell you what, getting up there and with a chance at a five to eight pound rainbow or what well, that sounds pretty impressive. What a great way to spend Father's Day weekend. Thank you so much for joining us, Nicole.
4: Thank you, Terry. Have a great day.
0: You bet. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on one oh four three Fan.